This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. That yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Hello and welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Monday, July 11th. This is episode 384. My name is Dan Ellis and I've been trying to get shit up. Trying to get shit up set here for a while now being and mine having his brain broken. Jesus oh, that's Christ. German. <laughs> I've been trying to get some shit set up here so that my fellow awesome co-hosts could join me. Uh, we got some new equipment and I've not had time to adequately set up or test anything. So I've been wasting your guys' time. My apologies. I'm joined by Mr. Taylor Grin. Bongiorno. And Mr. Ryan Duffy. That would be the one sitting over here. Ooh-wee! Uh, thanks for joining me, fellas. Sorry to have wasted an hour of your time already. Um, what's new with you guys? Let's go with Taylor first, because we haven't heard from you for a bit. Oh, man. I have had... A couple of weeks. <laughs> I don't. I don't <laughs> even know how long I've been gone from the show. I'm sorry, guys. I really apologize. I um. So I moved into the new apartment. It's awesome. Um, Verizon has an international plan. It is not awesome. I had <laughs> half a gig of internet a day at the cost of ten dollars per day for the last right. month. Um, and then the day that I got internet installed in my apartment was also the day that I came down with a bacterial stomach infection that was so bad. I had to go to the ER. Um, I will spare the listeners the details, but I lost five kilos in like eight or nine days. So what is that in American? Uh, I went from like 205 <laughs> to like 195, 194, somewhere in there. Wow. So yeah. Um, yeah, it was unpleasant. Um, but I'm in an apartment. It's pretty nice. Uh, yeah, just kind of hanging out. Had my first got, like full meal today the, in two weeks. It was great. Nice. And you got the internet there. What kind of speeds do you get there? Uh, not the best, but not terrible either. My service package that I have goes up to 200 meg. Um, but more realistically, most of the time I draw like 60 to a hundred, which is good enough for what I do. Yeah. Ryan's jealous. Yeah. I tried downloading a game two days ago and it was downloading it at, at I think the max was 18 megasecond. It was averaging 10 megasecond Ooh. for download. Ooh. Yeah. Jealous. Yeah. That, uh, it's fantastic. Thank you, America. <laughs> um, <laughs> And as a programming note, um, I have furnished my bedroom, uh, but I am still ordering stuff for my office, which is going to need to have like rugs and that kind of thing because it's incredibly reflective up there. And I literally don't own a chair right now. Like I have a bed <laughs> and a wardrobe and like a stool at my counter and that's about it. So um, <laughs> I'm recording in my room. My cat is in here because that's where his food and litter is. So, uh, if you hear meows, uh, enjoy the guest star. <laughs> is avocado digging the new place? Uh, he is. There's this, um, I've got a balcony that faces the West. So every afternoon he gets like this giant ray of sunshine for hours that he gets to lay in that he really enjoys. So nice. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry you were so sick, man. I'm I'm yeah. glad to hear that you're on the mend and you sent us a bunch of pictures of delicious food that you were eating today. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. I had I had, oh gosh, like three pieces of citrus acid cured salmon and then um pasta with a duck ragu and then veal with paella and peas. Uh, and a glass of red wine for 40 euros. Like this country is awesome. 
<laughs> how much is a how much is that in U.S. dollars? For um, the first time in history, basically forty dollars. Um, the euro oh and the dollar are on track to be within a penny of each other for the first time, like oh, ever. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, that's cool. And you're you're digging the scenery, digging the apartment, getting settled oh, in. Yeah, it's beautiful. The apartment is really nice. It's beautiful inside. Um, I'm a little bit upset with how much road noise I get, but I mean, you win some, you lose some. Uh, I just live fairly close to like a not major road, but arterial road. So like if an ambulance is going by, it's taking my road. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I mean, I'm very close to the city center, which is awesome because it's got like old Roman and Renaissance architecture and regularly if I'm walking downtown to go to like eat or see a concert or something like that, I'll bump into somebody I know and just walk with them until we part ways. Like it's kind of a cool thing to be like, Oh yeah, we'll walk and talk for a couple blocks and then split off again, like at random because that's just life here. So yeah, it's great. And then work is awesome. Work is really cool. I had, and my coworkers are just amazing. When I got sick, Right off the bat, my immediate supervisor came by with a big old care package of Pedialyte and chicken noodle soup and stuff. And then when I went to the hospital, my like boss boss, like the woman in charge of the entire office came to the hospital to like translate for me. Um, oh, nice. Like past midnight. Like it was crazy. So, yeah, I've got great coworkers. So comparatively speaking, how is the healthcare system there from your from your first foray into that arena? It's mixed, man. Like. On the one hand, I spent 16 hours, including an overnight at a hospital for them to, in the end, accept when I was telling them that all I needed was antibiotics. Um, And that was me going through two different blood draws and an ultrasound to make sure that there wasn't anything more serious than just a bacterial infection. Um, Mm -hmm. But that being said, I stayed in a hotel including overnight, like sleeping there in a bed for 16 hours and got antibiotics and my total bill was like $20. So, yeah. Remember the time that you went to a hospital here in the U S and they walked you out to your car and you just passed out in the parking lot and you're like, Oh shit, he might be sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 They didn't do that to you in Italy. Did they? Well, yes, but also no, like that's the other funny thing is like when I went to the emergency room, I was like, Hey, I haven't been able to eat for like a week and a half. And, uh, you know, I can't keep food down and it keeps coming out the other end faster than I can replace like water. They were like, Oh, okay. And they've got like a triage system and they gave me the very lowest priority possible. And then, um, I passed out in my chair and then woke up and threw up in a waste paper basket. And some, some Italian woman angrily yelled at the people at the desk. And then they upgraded my triage to like, important and took me back immediately so win some you lose some (laughs) um yeah like there are a lot of people who will go to the er for things that really don't merit going to the er for so if you don't act like you are in life-ending pain um you might not get treatment at the pace that you need it the whole Squeaky wheel gets the painkillers. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. You need to act a little more American. Well, that was the other thing, is I did not want to be the guy who went in there and, and was all American. But there was yeah. a point at which I just kind of like stumbled across the room, grabbed a waste paper basket, took it to my chair, and just started throwing up like it was no big deal. And a woman who was sitting somewhat near me who had been increasingly concerned at my appearance was like, okay, that's fucking enough. <laughs> and she's screaming, Ebola, Ebola, Ebola. <laughs> He's got Ebola. Uh, so how does, how does one contract the bacterial thing that you had? Uh, real talk. Almost always some kid at a daycare touched their own shit, got a bacterial infection from it, took it home. Their parents got it from them, didn't wash their hands well enough after throwing up or shitting, and then went to work anyway because they won't take a sick day. And then it gets spread around the office like wildfire because it's as contagious as fucking Ebola and half the fucking base is shitting themselves for three or four days, Uh, (laughs) which is what appears to have happened here. Um, if, If you have kids... And they get sick. 
don't send them back to daycare. Take a day off and wash your goddamn hands. <laughs> so you got sick because someone was acting American. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Pretty much. Yeah. Well, and because I work on an army base, so uh, yeah. it can be very difficult for soldiers with legitimate reasons to actually take work off when they're sick. Mm-hmm. And so a lot yeah. of them will think, oh, it's not bad. It's just little diarrhea. And then they come to work and it's no. Nope. It'll just blend in with my with my camo. It's fine. It's no big deal. <laughs> it's no it's big right deal. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're feeling better, man, for sure. Glad to have you back. Uh, what's new with you, Mr. Duffy? I, I hate to break it to you guys, but I think I am going to be famous. Oh, really? I'm going to be all over the internet. Uh-huh. For what? What'd you do now? Oh, I was sitting out front today in the Google car that does the Google Street View, drove past my house while I was outside. Oh, I was going to say, are we going to need to have a conversation with Andrew? Okay, that's, that's better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to be all over Google. Like, you, if you go on Google Street View and go past my house sometime in the future, you might see Ryan standing there with a box in his hand, applying some polyurethane to the inside of it, looking at this car going, what the fuck are you doing? And it's stuck. Were you in the garage or out in the driveway? I was in the garage, but I was looking out and I was like, the garage door is wide open. And I just look out and I'm like, here's a Google car passing my house. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be famous. (laughs) Awesome. And I got to have lunch with you yesterday, Dan. That's even more. (laughs) Taylor what? Taylor wasn't invited. We we figured it would take you too long to get to us. Yeah, it's yeah, a Dan bit of a, came up here yesterday, and we we had, uh, we had we had we had some we had some good. Di- uh, I don't know what you call it, lunch, the Le, Ladern. Uh, it was a a, a liner, maybe liner. Yeah, it was late lunch, early dinner. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's good to get to see you again because usually we just get to have this interaction. Besides actually getting to sit down and. Oh yeah, well, it gave me a good excuse to drive the new car for a bit. Yes, which. Me and Sarah both loved very much. That's it's a nice so car. cool, right? It's fucking great, man. I love it. <laughs> it's it's just awesome. I, I I think my favorite feature is being able to remote start it with my phone. And well, I mean, not even that, but just how it recognized you when you got close to it. Oh yeah, yeah. And the mirrors fold out, and it casts the little thing. The, the I, decal. I Sarah's favorite part. Sarah's favorite part the mirrors. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The mirrors, the mirrors fold out, and yeah, it's just I fucking love the car, man. It's so much fun to drive. It's it's just it's awesome. It's and the, it's fast. It's the coolest thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, it is fast. It was fun. I it's <laughs> it's dang, like it's it's surprisingly and it's surprisingly fast, and it's so smooth at getting up to very high speeds that uh, it's also a little dangerous. I <laughs> I I did. The fastest I've had it is 120 miles an hour so far. <laughs> and the, like it gets there really quickly and really smoothly. Like the only thing that you have to really indicate how fast you're going other than the odometer or the, the speedometer is you can hear the wind rushing <laughs> around the car much more quickly. Like yeah. it just turns into this sound at 120 miles an hour. I'm not going to say how fast I've driven in a car. It's, <laughs> I think, I think the fastest I've gone, it was, well, it was over 140 because it was in my old uh, Pontiac, uh, had a uh, GTO. And I got that, I, I believe the speedometer went to 140 and I buried the needle in that. But that's, I also floated the front end in that, and I, I didn't want to do that again, so I didn't. That was the fastest I've ever had it, and I haven't gone that fast in, in a, another car since then. And just tooling around in my other, in the new car, this was last week, and it was on a stretch of I-15 where there was no traffic around, late in the afternoon, early evening, like miles in front and behind me. I was like the only person there. Otherwise, I wouldn't have done it. But yeah, it was it was kind of fun. I oh yeah, it. it's yeah. fun to drive fast once in a while. 
Oh yeah, for sure. But yeah, it was good seeing you. Nice driving up there. Yeah. Um, on our way back, uh, on our way back home, Tracy and I, <clears throat> excuse me, because I used to live up in that area, right? I lived in yeah. four different houses up in there. So on our way back, we decided, oh, well, let's go and just look at the old houses that we lived in and see how the neighborhood. Yeah, and let's see how the neighborhoods are going and the houses are doing all that kind of stuff. Uh, it was kind of interesting and. So we just kind of took a tour of Syracuse and West Point and uh, Clearfield and Layton all over in that area. And um, one of the homes that we went to go look at on our way back, we were just driving through some random neighborhood because there was construction along one of the roads way out west, like in far west. <laughs> there, Yes, in Utah, there's a city called far west. So we were out there and we got detoured because they were doing construction on one of the main arteries. And so it led us through this neighborhood. And as we're going through this neighborhood, we notice there are a couple uh, pop-up canopy, canopies and some tables set up in somebody's driveway. And their garage door is open and there are signs in front of, you know, on either side of this house as you're going up and down the road that say, you know, that they're selling pupusas and tacos and empanadas and a bunch of other food. And Tracy's like, well, let's stop and get some. <laughs> and I kind of chuckled yeah. and and she's and she just kind of looks at me like, oh, are you being serious? And she said, yeah, yeah, let's stop and get some. So we stopped, pulled over, you know, walked up into the driveway and they're like, oh, what can we do for you? Oh, please sit, 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 my friend, sit, my friend, have a, have a seat. So we ordered some papooses and some empanadas and sat there while they, they cooked them like there in the garage on their, they had a little... Uh, rolling station that they could move stuff around and cook food. And they were fucking really, really good and super cheap. And then we came home and I've been fine so far. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh my God. I would do that in a heartbeat. Oh, they were really, really good, man. And, but like, I mean, they had everything very, as far as selling food out of your garage goes, it was a very professional operation. Like they had yeah. a nice little cook, a nice little cook area and all of the food was, you know, refrigerated in nice containers. They were wearing gloves. Like it was all great. And yeah, very, very, very good. I was, I hope you remembered where that was. Cause you just found yourself a bootleg Mexican or not bootleg, a speakeasy <laughs> Mexican restaurant. And I envy the shit out of you for it. Well, and, and it was, uh, so pupusas are popular in El Salvador and Honduras. I think El Salvador, they're actually like Fair. the national food of El Salvador, but they're, so a pupusa for the people who don't know, it's, it's, you could, you could liken it to a tamale that is flat. It's like a flat, like pancake kind of tamale where the filling is still in the middle, but it's instead of being like in a tube uh, surrounded by a corn husk. It's still with cornmeal and meat and veggies in the middle, but it's they smash it flat and cook it on a griddle, and it's really good. But, I mean, they had, like, homemade salsas, all kinds of stuff. There It was, it was just super good, and I wish that I had marked it on our, <laughs> our GPS, but I'm sure that if I go and review my Google Travels for yesterday, it will show It'll up there. It will show stop. Yeah. Yeah. That we stopped there for a half hour or whatever it was. So it was kind of cool. Yeah. And it was great seeing you guys and, and Oz yeah. and Lulu. Yeah. And a lot of your bowls and other woodworking <laughs> items. That's just the house. filling the house because I'm running out of storage area to put shit I make. <laughs> which just means I need to get a booth sometime to sell some of this stuff. Yeah. It'll be fun. And, you know, make yeah. something for somebody else. Well, I mean... How much is it going to cost to ship you something over there, Taylor? I do need Kane Mark II at some point. <laughs> I, I will figure that out. And I Dan saw the one I made myself after I made yours, where, where I did the where it can split in two pieces. Nice. And nice. Uh, I'll figure the handle out because I think I'll have to do a laminate for that. But that's that's going to yeah, be on a woodwork. Thinking as like uh, like so that the heads can be swapped as opposed to yeah. split down the middle. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk mm -hmm. offline on that. <laughs> well, cool. Um, well, let's let's uh, move into the main portion of the show, but we'll do that when we get back from this little break.
Hi, this is Justin Schieber, formerly of the Reasonable Doubts podcast and currently of Real A Theology, and you are listening to The Godless Revolution. Okay, we say we came across this murder site, and we're just cleaning it up. Who cleans up murder sites? I don't know, we're Mormons. Mormons don't clean up murder sites. Mormons are helpful. Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. Okay. Well, I thought you were bringing us back in, Dan. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I said, I'll say, okay, bring us in, Ryan. But I didn't say, okay, bring us in, Ryan. I just said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave this in there. This is this is part of. What does it mean? How, play how, me how, out. How, I'll do it live. <laughs> I'll do it live. Actually, you know this is what happens. But Ryan's going to bring it back in here. So we spent the last two episodes talking about guns in America and stuff, and how the NRA is kind of a piece of shit. And uh, well, this week uh, the ex prime minister of Japan, uh, Shibu, uh, I had his name Shibu. in my fucking head. Shinobi. That's what it was. <laughs> Ex-Prime Minister of Japan. Shinzo Abe. Shinzo Abe. There we go. Uh, was uh-huh. assassinated uh-huh. with a homemade gun. Yes. And I would like to maybe point out the fact that I called it. Once I saw what he used, I'm like, oh, I fucking know what that is. Oh, I was uh, going to say you, you, you called that he was going to be assassinated. No, just the, the what he had used. Uh, just just from the like the rough photos, because I was up that night just looking at everything that was coming in through Twitter and uh, online, just watching the videos. And the second I noticed that it looked exactly like a pipe gun. And then uh-huh. when I saw the wires, I'm like, oh, yep, he used the pipe gun with electronic fuse. And then even Taylor jumped in on the on online and told me, said, yeah, I saw that he used uh, the rocket mortar, like fuses, like you use for like a hobby rocket. Mm-hmm. Like that was kind of right where my fucking brain was going. But then yeah. you have everyone that starts chiming in saying, see, gun control doesn't work. <laughs> you, you know what can't kill like 19 kids? A, a uh, gun that has one fucking shot. Uh-huh. Because it's powder with random shit shoved in it with an electronic fuse. It's a pipe bomb without ends. Mm-hmm. Can't yeah. reload it quickly. You'd have to go home, rewire it reload it to get off another fucking two shots. It's basically a small handheld cannon. Exactly. It's basically, if you would take like, if he would have capped the ends on it, it's a pipe bomb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. Since, analogy the ends aren't, since the ends aren't capped on it, the pressure goes forward. Mm-hmm. The pipe is helping project the things out like a little hand cannon, like an old blunder bust that the pirates would have used. Mm-hmm. Uh, just with whatever you could shove down the barrel of it or the pipe, literally going to Home Depot and spending 15 bucks to buy some pipe and some caps to make this thing and duct tape it to a board with a couple of wires and a nine volt battery. Mm-hmm. Um, being that the first shot the guy fired missed, no bystanders got injured. It's because so these weapons accurate. are yeah. they're inaccurate and very ineffective. They do not carry the same power that a rifle or even modern pistol round would carry. Mm-hmm. They don't travel very far. It's a very close range, inaccurate type of thing you can make in your garage. Mm-hmm. And let's also focus on the fact that Japan has an average of four gun deaths a year. Not, so not per shooting. Event, but yeah. 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 Per year. They have the same amount of gun deaths per year. As we do in two hours in America. Yeah, that's that's so, uh, Yeah, I've seen a lot of I've I've seen I wouldn't say a lot because I don't travel in those circles nearly as much as I used to, but I've seen a number of people say dumb shit like that. Like, oh yeah, well I guess gun yeah. control isn't really effective anyway. He got shot. Like, yeah, but not with a gun. Yeah. With a homemade one time use pipe gun. Mm-hmm. Or some you people, know, like another term is if you ever heard called a zip gun. It's a one-use mm-hmm. disposable firearm, mm-hmm. which are usually Interestingly, like out here, the last several times there have been major shootings, I've had locals who ask me like, hey, what's going on in your country, yada, yada. 
But when yeah. this happened in Japan, the tone was more similar to when like there's a bombing, right? Like it, yeah. it's known that it's so unusual for something like this to happen in Japan. Um, that like, it wasn't really treated like a shooting. It was treated like the black swan event that it was. Now it helps that it mm-hmm. was assassinating a former prime minister, but even then, like the context of the weapon was viewed differently by non-American audiences because like it is so unusual for a gun like this to be used in a country like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I saw a lot of people also bring up, well, how did this happen? Where was his secret service? How did the guy get so close to him? And it's like, you realize this isn't a country where this isn't normally an issue. Mm-hmm. People don't have guns. They don't have to have armed security and you know, like blast proof glass surrounding them while they're giving a speech. And then there's the other side, which this might be uh, religiously motivated against him because oh yeah yeah the, yeah the motives that i've heard about it were that the the person who assassinated abe was upset because he believed that abe was affiliated with a religious group that has basically ended up bankrupting this this guy's mother yeah it's a, a religious group from south korea if i'm remembering correct and he had talked at a few forums where that religious group was putting on the event and Trump had also talked there. So maybe uh, someone can go talk to him. Oh, yeah. I I'd, I'd heard it was some kind of Shinto cult, but I haven't, I haven't looked into it a whole lot since the initial shooting, but just the fact that people are, are gravitating towards look, he died. They have some of the strictest gun controls in the world. And so he still, there was still a political assassination using a gun. I'm kind of like, mm-hmm. no, you're, you're missing the other fact that that country only has an average of four gun deaths a year. So obviously gun control fucking works. Well, and it's not, and it's not even that it was really a gun. Like it wasn't a gun gun. It was, it was a homemade projectile dispenser. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a good way to put it. I mean, it was very crude and I saw people being like, well, he's lucky he didn't blow up in his hands. Like, well, no, it's pretty, the fact of the yeah, matter is it's thing. pretty easy to make an improvised device like this, but they're not going to be accurate. They're not going to be multi-use. You're not going to be able to reload it. You can, but it's not going to be anything quick. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it happened. Yeah, you're not going to be able to use it to mow down, you know, a couple dozen grade school kids or a couple hundred people attending a concert. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm not too familiar with the wounds. I heard that he got hit in the neck and the chest. Mm-hmm. So depending on, I guess, how damaged any arteries were in that area, I'm guessing it was more the neck wound that killed him than the chest wound. And I heard just the opposite. The, the, the neck wound definitely hurt him, but he was shot through the heart. Like Oh, so it actually uh, penetrated. So I was going to say, like a lot of these guns, the, 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 the penetration of a homemade device like this usually isn't as great mm-hmm. as a standard firearm because you don't have the energy. You waste a lot of energy in the barrel mm-hmm. to get it out versus a normal gun is designed to maximize the energy of the bullet. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but I was also wondering if he had been younger because he was in his sixties. He was in, he was older. If he had yeah. been younger, if he would have been able to survive it. But then again, a hole through the heart to hold the heart. You're not going to survive that. Yeah. I think he was like 62 or something. I'd have to double check. Well, And, and um, I was re I was watching a French news channel when it happened. And uh, they were reporting that they used a hundred units of blood, but like Japanese units are about half of what ours are, but still like that would be the equivalent of 50 units of blood in America before he finally, Mm -hmm. like before they stopped trying. So he had uncontrollable bleeding. Oh yeah. 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 I know when my sister shot herself, uh, the bullet went through the middle of, well, 
at one point while it was ricocheting around inside her rib cage, it passed through uh, the center of her aorta. And so, I mean, it was just every heartbeat. She was just pumping out blood. And in order to save her life, they ended up um, putting not catheters. What the fuck? (laughs) Uh, uh, When you block out, when you clamp off the blood supply to a limb, uh, oh, tourniquet. Like a, uh, tourniquet. Yeah, I was gonna say tourniquet mm-hmm. or shunt. Yeah, they used they used tourniquets on both of her legs, just to help them, you know, try to keep enough blood in her. And well, because she was in surgery for so long, with them trying to save her life while this was going on, and the blood supply had been cut off to her legs for so long, uh, it ended up being that a large portion of w- at least one of her legs died off and became mm. necrotic and then swollen and they it, it's a long story but they had to like they cut from her knee down to her ankle on both sides of Ooh. her right leg just to relieve the pressure and left it open um, oh they i remember somebody telling me at the time that if there had been like five pounds more pressure her leg would have just exploded oh. like they that's why they cut it open to relieve the pressure and you know it was it was pretty gruesome uh so yeah the yeah you need you need blood to all of your body parts or they start dying off yeah yeah but and so and and everybody is expressing that shinzo abe was a fairly decent guy that he you know that he was a great ally uh to the to the united states and a bunch of other nations but there's also a bunch of grumbling that he wasn't nearly as squeaky clean or as great as everybody would like him to be. And mm-hmm. that uh, his, his regime has done a fair amount of stifling media access and reporting on a lot of the things that go on in Japan. They've done a, that they've done a good job of whitewashing his, mm-hmm. his political energies and doings within the country. I mean, but yeah, who has a clean record? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's it, not a lot of people for sure, but just Cinda a lot of Arden. the things. <laughs> oh, what's that? I said Jacinda Arden, <laughs> the yeah, the ex Mormon prime minister of New Zealand, who's like oh. my age. <laughs> that's uh, that's too young. Hmm. Ah, oh, she's great. But yeah, she's really yeah. cool. Well, and the arguments just that you know that this isn't that this that gun control doesn't work everywhere well clearly it does in japan in order to have a gun you have to go through all kinds of steps there's like a it's like a 12-step program to owning a gun you have to first apply to have a gun have that application uh, approved you've got to spend money for licensing you have to get insurance you have to go through training they have to be inspected. I think you have to go through recertification every year, every two years in order to have a weapon. Um, you have to state specifically the reasons that you want it. You like they're licensed, insured, tracked. The government can stop by at any time for a surprise inspection to make sure that your weapon is unloaded, locked and inaccessible to other people. There are all kinds of measures that go into Japan having four guns, gun deaths per year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. versus the yakuza uses swords <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah street gangs there don't have easy access to weapons it's it's a really big fucking deal there that this was that a, that a quote-unquote gun was used to assassinate oh, yeah. and also let's see you mow down a crowd of 50 people with a uh, sword yeah uh, it, does, it not, doesn't happen not gonna it, happen it, it does it 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 doesn't happen not gonna not gonna happen anytime soon all right well there's more to talk about and we will do that in just a little bit hello i'm lloyd evans i'm a former jehovah's witness i'm the author of the reluctant apostate and senior editor of jwsurvey.org and you are listening to the godless revolution Good morning, Citizen Venture. Welcome to the neighborhood. All right, who are you and what are you selling? If it's cookies, I'll take two boxes of Thin Mints. If it's religion, you can leave the way you came. 
If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! And we're back. Um, bringing us away from gun control and back into the burgeoning Christian nationalist state that we are coming to occupy. Um, in Wisconsin, a woman named Jessica Pence, who was married for 17 years, was attempting to buy contraceptives uh, when she had left some of hers at home on accident. And the clerk told her uh, that he couldn't sell them to her. And she said, why not? Were they out of stock or was something wrong? And he said, oh, no, I'm sorry. We could sell that to you, but I will not because of my faith. And then a manager at the location also refused to sell her contraceptives. Did, do you know what kind of contraceptive? Like, are we talking about just regular like birth control? So I, I saw reports of both condoms and like birth control pill. So she was on the pill and left her pill at home. And mm-hmm. she asked, I guess, for condoms first and then the pill after that. And they provided neither. So was her husband not there to sign for the stuff or what, what was the issue? <laughs> I, I, I know we're in, we're in 1950 again. You need mm-hmm. your husband's permission to be on mm-hmm. birth. Cause she was already married. We said that part. So obviously right. she just must not have had her husband's signature. Mm. Motherfuckers. Yeah. And um, here's the thing. Like when the decision came down that uh, broke Roe v. Wade, uh, Clarence Thomas specifically called out that his next on the chopping block was, um, you know, gay the marriage. ability to have sex that's other than for procreation, uh, gay marriage, and contraceptives. So uh, this is this is very clearly somebody creating the predicate for such a uh, court case. Mm-hmm. And I, I know we've seen this before, where where. People have been denied contraception based on someone's religious beliefs behind the counter saying, I can't do that. It's against my religion to sell you this, which I don't know Mm -hmm. where the fuck that lies in the Bible. But I have a feeling we're going to see more and more of this now saying, well, nope, we can't sell it to you because that's murdering babies. And what kind Mm -hmm. of fucking bullshit nonsense is this anyway? Like to be able to say, well, no, I'm not going to do the job I was fucking hired to do because it goes against my religious principles. Then find another fucking job, dude. You shouldn't be in that fucking job. Yeah. Well, and so that's that's the perfect segue for the rant that I wanted to find an excuse to go on. Um, it doesn't matter <laughs> about him granted. doing his job. Huh? Oh, I said excuse granted. You, you, <laughs> yeah. You full, it's full not about knowledge. his job, right? It's, it's about Christian nationalism. It's about people don't get to have contraception anymore, right? Because Christians don't believe that people should have contraception. Um, and like, this is something that's really frustrated me since the road decision came out. And since the decision about the guy who was, um, like bringing together people from the opposite sports team, um, to do like a oh, giant yeah. public prayer at the 50 yard line, um, yeah, that is, is that people have said like, oh, well wait until a, a Satanist or a Muslim or something wants to do a prayer or, you know, why don't the people just do their job? And it's like, it's not about being consistent with your beliefs. It's not about doing your job. Um, it's not about equal application of law. It's about creating a Christian nationalist state. And the Supreme Court at this point does not care about internal consistency. Um, they care about Christian nationalism and they don't care about you know, the average Christian doesn't care about consistency. They care about power. Um, and, and like the one neat trick is not going to work. Um, like yeah. I, I really need people to, to understand that like the way that you've thought about law up until this point no longer applies. Like on, yeah. on, on the cool. show that our lawyer does uh, opening arguments, you know, he mentioned that this year, when uh, people who have passed law school take their bar exam, there is going to be a disclaimer for the bar that says, act as though the, the decisions that came out in the most recent um, session of the Supreme Court didn't come out because it so fundamentally overwrote law. 
Well, even like we had Andrew Seidel on the show, what, three months ago? He's been on the show. Almost a year ago. Was it a year ago? Holy fuck. We need to have him back. It was in October. Yeah. Well, I am good at knowing my time frames. Yeah. But I was I was listening to him talk the other night where he was basically saying the same thing. He's saying, you know, take everything you know, everything that's been common law, uh, common practice, and throw it the fuck out the window. Because this Supreme Court does not give a fuck about precedents, about what the Constitution actually says about any of that shit. They're in there for power. They're in there for, like, basically, yeah, like you said, Christian nationalism. They're going to push their agenda now that they have the chance to do it. Mm-hmm. Timothy Snyder, the um, he's an expert on Ukrainian history and also fascism. Uh, and he wrote an essay recently called We Are In Fascism's Legal Phase. And he discusses how a long time ago, Germany based a lot of its fascist practices off of American law. You know, they directly derived many of their apartheid policies towards Jewish people on how we American the Native Americans. Um, yeah. And, and Native Americans. And, and he said that like now that's basically going the opposite direction or not the opposite direction, but it's like kind of reaching back in time where we're seeing like basically new Jim Crow, like the way that that our Supreme Court is currently doing things um, and that Republicans are currently doing things is relearning the lessons of Jim Crow and applying them all over again. And like the red states are constructing a legal apparatus that is authoritarian. Um, And like several episodes ago, um, you know, I was saying to listeners like, get out of red states. Like if you live in a red state, it's no longer be there so you can fight the good fight and be a blue blue vote. Like, no, get the fuck out of a red state if you live in one. Um, Because shit's going to get bad before it gets better. Well, me and Dan both live in a red state. And we're not turning purple any fucking time soon. Like we are deep red here. We are. Yeah. I'm 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 probably gonna hang on to some of my guns for a little while, just because uh I don't know this state's pretty fucking red, and uh, oh yeah, that's no. I mean, like you know, we generally are supportive of gun control. I will be on team. You should learn how to use a gun. You should also learn first aid. Um, you should you know start building tight friendships with the people in your community who have a similar mindset to your own. Like the, the only time that I tend to think that anarchists have good ideas is with crisis direct action, which is stuff like being able to provide medical treatment to your friends and vice versa, you know, when you're in a lawless situation. Um, and depending on how things go, like it only takes, so there is a proportion of like, political deaths per million at which point you can describe a country as being in a cold civil war. And for America's population of 330 million, it comes out to roughly 400 political deaths per year to be considered in a cold civil war. And people say that if it were to happen in the U S it would start looking more like the Irish troubles or like Italy's year of lead, um, or years of lead, whatever it's called. Um, and it would not be hard for the Proud Boys and Three Percenters and Oath Keepers to drive those numbers up pretty quickly. So what, is, so what does it look like, like realistically, just trying to think of it, like we got midterms in November. Mm-hmm. If the Democrats are able to hold on to the House and the Senate and flip some seats and keep control with the power the Supreme Court now has, does that even fucking matter? Or will Republicans be able to basically take up frivolous lawsuits to the Supreme Court and get whatever any Democratic-controlled presidency does overturned? Well, so it. let's split some things real quick, right? Um, on the one hand, we still want Biden to be able to appoint as many federal judges as he can, which he yeah. will be able to continue to do if we've got the Senate. Um, 
the house enables, you know, the power of the purse and the congressional um, investigations are going on right now. So it's mm-hmm. very important to vote. Um, I don't want anyone listening to this to think that it's hopeless to try and vote against. No, vote. Fucking yeah, vote. Yeah. You, you need to fucking vote. Um, the executive branch can continue making government function effectively. Um, and we're going to need the House and the Senate to do things like pass budgets and shit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, um, the atheist movement kind of patted itself on the back back in like 2014 and felt that it had largely won the culture war and that we we're on a downhill uh-huh. slide for just, you know, things were going to get easier from that point on. And all of the victories that we were making in the courts um, are gone and are now backsliding. Um, And that's because we treated the courts as being like the mechanism by which we would achieve social change as opposed to legislation. Now, I'm not getting on the bandwagon of people saying, well, why vote for Dems? They can't do anything because Democrats have only had a supermajority in Congress for six months out of the last 30 years. So it's been very difficult for them to get things done in that way, largely because of like gerrymandering and shit. Um, so I, there's there's a recent episode of Ezra Klein that I really think listeners should listen to where he had a constitutional scholar to um, on his show to talk about this very issue. Um, and as I'm looking up the, the name of that episode, you know, one of the things that really strikes me that he was talking about is that he said that people underestimate or sorry, they overestimate what they can do in a year and underestimate what they can do in 10 years. And the Republicans have been very, very good at playing a very, very long game with Roe versus mm-hmm. Wade. And mm-hmm. I think that yeah. we need to realize, like, like we liberals need to realize that because of this shift, shit is going to be fucked up for the foreseeable short term future. And the only way that we can bring about change is by having the patient long view um, that Republicans had in undoing Roe versus Wade. The problem is, is that Republicans fall in line and Democrats like uh, need to fall in love. And that patient long view doesn't lend itself towards a, we've got to be super passionate and fall in love with this candidate style of getting out the vote. Um, the episode, by the way, is... Um, uh, it's the Ezra Klein show. Um, liberals need a clearer vision of the Constitution. Here's what that could look like. So, yeah, I've seen a lot of people recently start arguing against the entire notion of incrementalism, saying that, oh, you know, Democrats have been telling us that we need to be satisfied with incremental changes in the way that we want the world to look. And, Republicans and conservatives aren't aren't concerned with incrementalism. They're getting everything they want now, but they're failing to recognize that for the last 50 fucking years, Republicans and conservatives have been focused solely on incrementalism. That's how yeah. they've come into all of this power that now they can do whatever the fuck they want. They're the people who are saying that incrementalism has failed are the people who have made Democrats fail. They, they've they've enabled Republicans over the last fifty years to get in the positions of power that they have now. They haven't mm-hmm. they haven't recognized that for fifty fucking years this has been happening on the conservative side, and we've done very fucking little to combat it other than complain about incrementalism. While the right is like, yeah, incrementalism is working for us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the first president to say. So help us God at the end of a speech was fucking Nixon. Mm-hmm. And now well, if you and, don't and say it, you're not American. I'm, I'm incredibly disappointed with the propensity of my peers on the left who feel like every person needs to be exactly their ideal of the perfect progressive all at once without any bumps. And that every politician Mm -hmm. needs to do exactly whatever platform that they desire immediately in the first hundred days in office. Um, And that anything less than that is, is why should I go out and vote for them? They did nothing. Um, Mm -hmm. The, I don't know, man, like, like the 
unrealistic view of what is possible in legislation is just mind boggling to me. And I can't even explain it. Like it's just a lack of political literacy. Um, things. I, mean, I don't know. Time. Yeah. And I, I don't know how many people I've heard that are more conservative friends of mine that have been like, well, Democrats have control of the house and Senate. Why haven't they got anything done? I'm like, do you not understand they don't have control? Mm-hmm. You need 60 votes. They have 50. Yeah. They don't have control. Republicans still fucking can do whatever they want. Yeah. Well, more yeah. importantly, more accurately, Republicans, the party who wants government to be so small they can drown it in a yeah. bathtub, has created and is enforcing a mechanism by which progress basically cannot happen. Like the basic functionality of the House and Senate are going on right now. Cabinet appointments are being made. Judges are being appointed. You know, budgets are being passed. Um, But that is it, right? No policy can be made. And, And like, dear listener, if you have forgotten the reason why the executive branch is called the executive branch, it's because they execute the legislation that comes from the legislative branch. Without voting for senators uh, and and representatives, the president, no matter if it's fucking Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren, who I voted for in the primary, um, mm-hmm. they can't do shit. There's very little that the executive can do without Congress. So go fucking vote and vote Including- for your state representatives because yeah. that's where, like, that's the next frontier. Red states right now are creating the circumstances. Um, there, there's a Supreme Court case that's going to hit next session next year, and it could allow red state legislatures to override the electoral count yep. votes in their state. Which is fucking scary. Yeah. So think Wisconsin, which is like a purple state, but because of its gerrymandering has like a 60% seat um, Republican Party. Uh, would be able to say, yeah, all of our electoral college votes that would go to the Democratic candidate are now going to the Republican candidate, and the Supreme Court will have already ruled that that's allowed. So, hey, you remember when we we talked like what four episodes about Victor Orban? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly yeah, that, what that is. That, that's coming here to the U.S. where he did he doesn't win the majority ever, but he has total control over everything. Because he changed the Constitution, changed voting laws, changed all the laws so he can stay in power and maintain that control for a minority in his country. I think what has most dismayed me is just the the perception of a lack of fucking urgency in what is going on in the United States politically. Mm-hmm. That, like, I voted for Joe Biden in the general because... Of course I did. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to fucking vote for Fuck Donald Trump. Yeah I, yeah, I voted for Warren in the primary. I voted for Biden in the general because the alternative was fucking fascism. Like, it just, just worse than it is now, for sure. Uh, but I think the most dismaying thing for me is just the general lack of urgency or the perceived general lack of urgency that I think... You know, Biden's poll numbers are tanking, and in large part, that's for a lot of things that are beyond his control. It's for Mm -hmm. inflation, it's for gas prices, it's all of that, all of the stuff that is involved with coming out of the pandemic. But a big portion of that also is just that he doesn't seem to understand how fucking urgent and immediate the threat is, that he is very much in the mind of of old school politics where oh no well, we can all just get along i just need to try to bring people together and i think we're so far fucking past that now oh, yeah. that it's it's really starting to scare a lot of people that that is his current mindset that he doesn't mm-hmm. realize or understand how fucking bad things have gotten he needs to play their game like they're playing it yeah and and he doesn't seem to be willing to do that. He doesn't. No. He doesn't want to pack the court. He doesn't want to. And the filibuster. I'll yeah. I'll push back on that one a little bit. Um, okay. As far as packing the court, um, 
FDR was elected as one of the most popular presidents in American history. Mm-hmm. And he attempted to pack the court and got severe lashback. And if FDR couldn't pack the court, Biden cannot pack the court. Well, um, FDR, FDR issued the threat that he was going to pack the court unless they went along with what he wanted them to do. And he had the power and the Congress in in place to do that if he so chose. But he got pushback from that and backed away from it. But he only backed away from it and everybody else kind of backed away from from even pushing back on him doing that because they knew that he had the power to do that if he wanted to push for it, right? He had wild majorities in both the House and the Senate. He mm. could have done that had he so chosen. Biden doesn't have that power. No. And we know unless they get rid of the uh, filibuster, he can't do anything. And they're not going to get rid of the filibuster to pack the courts because they, I don't know, that it would, it would look bad for them to do that. Like FDR well, backed away from it because he issued it as a threat, knowing that he had that power. And once they acquiesced to the demands he made, he no longer had to exercise that. It wasn't that he didn't have or couldn't have done it. It was just that they did what he wanted. They capitulated to his demands, knowing that he could have done that. Mm-hmm. But I, I still think that's just a hard versus soft power thing. Like, yeah. I don't think in the same vein that like Biden could pack the court. He can't. Like, I don't think that even by making the threat, he could accomplish any. Oh, no. Gain. Yeah. 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 You're, you're absolutely right. He couldn't. But the fact that he is against it regardless is. Mm-hmm is what I think bothers a lot of people, including myself. Yeah. Well, that he's, I mean, yeah. I, I think I mean, those people are, are, how do you say, like they aren't thinking of second order effects and Biden is. Like I think yeah. Biden is opposed to stacking the court because he recognizes that he couldn't do it. And so he isn't engaging in fantastical thinking. And I think that the people who are mad that he hasn't said, well, I would like to pack the court aren't realizing that he's already engaged in that second order analysis. Right. And that's, and that's fine, but he could come out and explain that to people. He's, he's, and I guess I kind of understand it, but he's responding to people as if the vast majority of them are stupid, which they are (laughs) like, they're ignorant of the political process, right? Like he doesn't want to (laughs) piss them off, but I mean, that's basically what it comes down to. Uh, but I think a lot of people who are more politically inclined and informed would like to see a bit more fire in the belly. And we're just not seeing. I mean, could this be like the slow game? Like, hey, if we win, we do get that vast majority during the uh, primaries. If the January 6th stuff is working to turn people against voting for Republicans and voting for Trump, and we do get that majority where we do have that ability, then I will push it. But don't let that card slip until that I want to do it until we have the availability to actually do it. Yeah. And that's, mm-hmm. that's certainly a possibility, but I think the January 6th committee is a whole lot more important than probably a lot of people realize. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's going to it's, it's the only thing that's going to keep Trump from being allowed to run for a second term. See, that's that's one area where, like, I acknowledge that the January 6th committee is very important. But if Trump can't run for office in 2024, Ron DeSantis, DeSantis. will. Yeah, he will. And he would be worse he's than going Trump. to. He's already, Ron DeSantis is already positioning himself to run. Yes. Oh, he's coming here to Utah to do a fucking stump speech. Mm-hmm. He is positioning himself just like I thought uh, fucking Ryan from Wisconsin was going to do before Trump ran. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Desant- yeah. DeSantis is in that same fucking boat right fucking now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he is no better than fucking Trump. No, he's no, smarter. I think, I think he's, he's more dangerous. dangerous. Yeah, yeah. He's smarter than Trump, which makes him more dangerous because he has the same fucking agenda. Yeah. We have run well, out yeah, of time. I mean, he's. Yeah, sorry. Oh. <laughs> one, one final. No, no, I apologize. Tail. I couldn't see you. I, my bad. Um, I mean, he's he's creating uh, armed poll watchers in Florida. Like yes. he's creating his own brown shirts right now. Uh, uh is so. Yeah, bunch of scary shit going on for sure. Uh, we have run out of time for this episode. Uh, we are 
we've 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 gotten some new technology. We're implementing some changes around the show. I understand. Uh, please please bear with us, dear listener. There may be some audio quality issues. There may be some I don't know continuity, some flow issues as we're as we're moving through this transition. Please bear with us. Uh, it will be much better on the other side here in a few weeks once. I get all of the things dialed in on the technology side and can can better prepare for a lot of things and make sure everything is working a lot more smoothly than it was today. <laughs> but I appreciate everybody uh, for for being patrons. Thank you guys for, very much for joining us for the show or for joining me for the show. Yeah, <laughs> everyone joined us. Yeah, everybody's. Thank you all so much. Before we go, though, I want to make sure that we thank our Patreon supporters. That would be two skeptical chaps, a noble spirit and big and the smallest man, a perfectly cromulent statement. Alan Firth, all hail Peanut Buttra, Doug Willoughby, John McCullough, Ollie Olson, Shanae Duffy, Sir Roses of the River, Steve Kuno, Stephen Andrews. Celia, the Trump-hating Satanist bitch, who is a new Patreon supporter. Thank you very much, Celia. Ted Sellen. Tiffany Hudson. Vanessa. Clank Trucking. Corey Ebert. Don't be a Richard. Freethinker215. Good news, everyone. Jeremy Goodson. Jonathan. McKenz Peterson. Marvin Draken. Martina Fern, another new patron. Thank you so much. Woohoo! I know Martina. She's awesome. I met her at the American Atheists Convention. She's really, really cool. I like Martina a lot. Thank you very much, Martina. Megan Mitchell. Not a fucking gymnast. The next Patreon is an updog. Utah Outcasts. Wesley Aaron. Zeus 9SO. Janet Uter. Purple Dragon, Sarah Segovia, Savita Kuna, Socialized Healthcare Saved My Life, Tim Jacobson, James, and Rick and Morty want you to please support the Freedom From Religion Foundation. Wubba-lubba-dub-dub. Thank you all very, very much. If you, dear listener, would like to become a Patreon patron, you can do so very easily by going to patreon.com slash godlessrevolution, where you can contribute as little as $1 per episode, and then you get... All kinds of fun stuff. Uh, clips from the cutting room floor, extended episodes, or the episode released before anybody else. You get a song at the end of the episode, bonus episodes every now and then. Fun stuff like that. And we're still working on other fun things that we would like to give to you because we love you and appreciate you ever so much. Yes. But until next week, uh, thank you all very much for tuning in. I have other shit I got to go do now. Yeah, I'm going to go frocking. It's uh, it's almost 2 a.m., so I think I'm going to go to sleep and go to work. Oh, shit. Voice disguise. I can change my voice with this what? new it has some It has some really cool like effects things thrown in. I can also make it sound like I'm speaking on a megaphone. A megaphone, everybody. I can be a very large robot. <laughs> a very large and scary robot. Or I can be a small robot. Oh, you need to make a song with that one. A small robot dancing on the dance floor. Or a monster. I'm a monster. And I can also I can say, hey, Ryan, I want to f*** Or I can turn the pitch up and sound like a chipmunk or a little person. I was going to say the previous one needs to be the new God voice. The The monster. Oh, Gary's on our show now, too. (laughs) (laughs) Gary, so this is voice disguise, which... Is just a bit so monster sounds like I'm down in a cave. (laughs) Yeah, monster makes it sound like I'm living in a cave. Yeah.
And voice disguise just makes my voice a bit deeper. That's kind of cool. You need to say I have a particular set of skills. I have a particular set of skills. <laughs> yeah. This, this has all kinds of cool shit, man. All kinds of cool shit, man. This is for when we're talking to the people in the cheap seats. <laughs> ducking, ducking. I think ducking probably just makes you guys more quiet if I'm speaking. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Ducking uh, should be giving you priority. Ducking, ducking. Ducking. You talk ducking and, and ducking, ducking and ducking. I don't know what it's doing. Uh, uh, maybe, may, well, so it didn't change the... Un- let me change that fucking... <laughs> 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 it looks like a worm drive. It's it's just a slanted... A worm drive? It's yeah, where you got a track right. No, where you have like... <laughs> A, it's it's like a, a a gear, but it's it's slanted to drive another gear on a different axis. Ryan, I don't know if you know this, but gears have no thumbs. They can't drive anything. <laughs>